its light. And for that, God, we give you glory and we thank you, Jesus, for every story that's been written in this room, that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I thank you that every good work you've started in each one of us, you take it to completion. Just before we pray, I want to share just a testimony of something that happened this last week. It's about Jesus taking someone out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I hope you see beyond the politics of what I'm going to share because it's about God's compassion. And it's not about his judgment. His mercy triumphs over judgment. But this week I had a, I was actually driving on the way to work and I was praying to the Lord and I said, God, I'm available for you today. Just, I'm available. That's all I said. As soon as I finished praying that prayer, my phone rang. And it's a banker who I was dealing with during the week. Just about alone. She said, hey, um, last time we spoke, you said you were a Christian. And I just wanted to ask you a question. And I said, sure. And she said, I need to know what God thinks about gay people. And I said, why are you asking me? And she said, well, you, last time you said you're a Christian and I just, I need to know whether people are born gay or whether they can change. <clears throat> and I said, it's funny that you should ask me that question. Uh, let me tell you my story. And I proceeded to tell her how God had brought me out of homosexuality and brought me out of darkness and into his marvellous light. And she said, well, the reason why I'm asking is her son came out to her just a few days before and she was struggling to comprehend it and didn't know what to do about it. And it's amazing how God, and she said, this isn't a coincidence. I was meant to ask you. And I said, yes, you were. And God orchestrated this meeting to give her hope, to give her son hope, that with him nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And you might be, there might be something in your life that you think is impossible. Maybe you've relegated something to the too hard basket. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something in your mind. Maybe it's something God's given you a promise about. But there is no such thing as a too hard basket for God because his word does say that with him nothing is impossible. With man, it may be impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you that Jesus, you said that heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will never pass away. 
And we thank you. Your words are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. We can't wait to hear your word, your everlasting word tonight. And we thank you through it. You mold us. You fashion us. You guide us. You change us. You transform us into your image. Thank you, mighty God. You're knitting us together as a body to love you and to serve you. We give you glory. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. <clears throat> Amen. Well, welcome, everyone. It's good to see you all here tonight. You can be seated. God is good. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, just uh, before we get started and um, unleash Pastor Tony, just a few announcements. First of all, the kids' room is for kids four and up. And so if they're not four yet, please keep them in the service with you. You're free to hang out in the foyer in the back corner there or just keep them in the service with you. And if you do need to access the kids' room during the service, please do so by the, the door outside. Do not use this door here as it just distracts them and distracts this meeting here. There is another church service running uh, downstairs while we finish up here. So as you leave, please be mindful of them and try and keep the volume down as you're exiting the building. We just want to respect them and, uh, and their service. And um, who's excited to hear the word of God tonight? Amen. And... Um, yeah, as I've said before, heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will remain forever. And um, we thank God for, for Pastor Tony and for everything he's going to sow into us tonight and um, that we honour that he's spent the time to prepare this word um, to sharpen us and build us up tonight. So can we give Pastor Tony a hand as he comes to share the word tonight? Praise God. Welcome. Hello. Everyone well? Everyone dry? Thank God for that. Wow. It's awesome to be with you. It's awesome to share the word of God with you. Um, uh, what about that testimony? No, no one else liked it except me. Excuse me one second, housekeeping. Our God is good, amen? Our God is unbelievably good. Our God is absolutely good. Even when we don't understand what's going on, we stand in the notion and the, and the, and the image of that God is good. Amen? And it's an amazing thing and um, to know we don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a God that's passed away or a God that's lost control or a God that's evil or a God that demands. No, we serve a loving, merciful God. Amen. And we always need to come to a place, no matter what you're going through, every season in life, there's valleys and there's hills and there's valleys and there's hills. 
If you've lived long enough on this earth, you know that when you've gone through one battle, there's another one coming. <laughs> when you've gone through one dry experience and you come into the nice promised land, guess what? There's another drought coming. And if we understand that we're in a battle, the Bible says that um, you know, in this world, in this, in this, in this world, you will have cares. There were in this world, you have trouble. In this world, you're going to have mountains. But he says, take heed. You know, be of good cheer. You know, you know, make sure your heart doesn't fail you because I have overcome the world. See, as we remain in Jesus, no matter, there's nothing we can't conquer. Amen. And tonight, I'm going to talk about, and I never meant to go down this road in the last three weeks, but every time I sat down and said, Lord, what do you want me to share? He got me to continue on. So it was never meant to be a, a series of about, we started off three weeks ago, guys, about Moses knowing the ways of God, but Israel knowing the, the, the acts of God. In other words, Moses knew God and his and character, but Israel just got the benefit. The problem with that was that they wanted what God had for them, but they just didn't want God. And then this, last week we spoke about Caleb being a different spirit and how we need to have a different spirit. And if you haven't watched them, you can go, and w- go back and watch them on YouTube and, and they'll bless you because they blessed me. See, I love it when this, 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 there's sermons that I've preached and, and there's uh, revelations that I've had in my life are very easy to preach because they're just part of me 24-7. But it's always exciting when you sit down and you think, well, this is the direction I want to share. And God says, no, this is what I want you to share. And it's like I'm hearing it for the first time, amen? Because the Holy Spirit's in charge, amen? See, not us. We're not in charge. The Holy Spirit's in charge. We're a steward of what God's given us, Amen? And today I want to share about the promised land. And, and I said this, I've said this before. In the Old Testament, they were going to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land flowing with rivers and waters. And they were going to have a, a land because they've been in slavery 430 years. But today, our promised land is Jesus. Amen. It's not a, it's not a place, it's a position. But along that comes with us, and I'm going to share this today that what stops us from possessing our promise or our promised land? Maybe tonight your promised land is like what Dorian said. Maybe there's something, there's an obstacle so big that you can't handle. Or maybe there's an obstacle, a giant in that land or in that promise that God's given you that you think it's too great that I cannot bear. Or maybe there's something that you're derailing. Now, a lot of people, we talk about unbelief. But sometimes the unbelief can, unbelief can turn into disobedience or turn into sorrow. I know people who share this story are probably jumping the gun. What does it mean that us New Testament believers about the promised land? You know, I was sharing for a young man, I won't mention his name, uh, a young man that I coached as a footballer, as a young kid. And he made it, uh, years later he made it and he had a great couple of years in footy and he signed a great contract and he ended up playing for one of my favourite teams. So I'm not going to mention the team, Parramatta. Anyway, um, <laughs> and he was a young guy I coached as an 18-year-old. And I called him to congratulate him. I hadn't seen him for a while, but I'd, you know, we'd bump into each other over the years. And I said, look, congratulations. And, you know, he said, thank you so much. And, and he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, he said, you know what? Things are going so well for me in life. I go, mate, you deserve it. He says, but I'm just waiting for something bad to happen. And sometimes our unbelief can cause something bad to happen because we don't have the ability to receive what God wants us to give us. Amen. You know, self-righteousness and self-pity is the same spirit. It's still about me. 
a self-righteous person talks about to God how good he is and how bad he is. And a person in self-pity says, how bad am I and how good they are. But it's the same spirit. It's all about you. And here, this young man said it. And the first game he played, he tore his hamstring off the bone. And we have to look at the children of Israel. I might go over a little bit. Well, I don't want to bore you and go over things again. But it's interesting to know that there was a generation of people that didn't enter the promised land. They saw the miracles of God. They saw Moses get them out of Egypt, the Passover. They saw that he, he opened the sea. The Bible says the wind blew and pushed the seas back and they created food. You know, I think the greater miracle is that they saw the enemy coming and God closed the sea. One speaks of grace. One speaks of judgment. We pass from death to life in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we speak and we see that, you know, manner every day. We see when they needed something to eat, they complained. And guess what? Every day manner was there every day. And God says, don't take more than you need. Just take enough. Trust me. It'll be manner tomorrow. But if you take more than you need or more than is required, guess what? It's going to go moldy. So don't bother. The ones that didn't believe took more just in case there's no manna tomorrow. Guess what? They turned moldy and worms were growing in there. God could have made the manna to last a week because on the Sabbath, which they weren't allowed to go out on the Sabbath, the manna lasted two days from Friday sundown to Sunday morning sun up. So God could have made the manna to last, but he wanted them, them to trust him because they've been in slavery for 430 years. You know, when you come out of a lifestyle, you don't automatically, you get saved and you get the Spirit of God on the inside you and you know Jesus went to the cross. But you don't change automatically sometimes. There are a lot of habits that we pick up because that's how we've been trained. That's how we've been taught. That's what I've seen. Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father do. Well, the same is in the natural. Sometimes we go back to default. We go back to what we know. And Israel went back to what we know. And we shared about he says to him later on, he says, you couldn't enter the land because you stopped hearing my voice and you stopped obeying me. And we said they built the golden calf out of the gold that they got from Egypt. And the Bible says there was only earrings. How much gold did they have if you can build a golden calf just out of earrings? Speaks of the blessings they got, which weighed them down. They no longer could hear the God. They were worried about their blessings more than the blesser. And now we're going to speak about us. You know, we talk about the promised land in Hebrews, and we'll, we'll go through it. talks about they couldn't enter his rest. So we see a land, we want a land. It's, how many people buy a house? They think, oh, I can't wait to buy a house. And when you buy it, <laughs> payments, repairs. Oh, no, it's too small now. I need extensions. I need a new kitchen. Why do you need a kitchen? You don't cook. No, I'm sorry. You're joking. But kitchens, I'm joking. I don't know what I thought about Mary when I saw no, it that way. So. But this promised land was a place where God was going to establish the kingdom of Israel, the tribes, and bring out forth what he promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the forefathers. It's interesting. Here, he says to him, we're going to go on. This is, now we're going to talk about them about to cross the Jordan into the promised land. Not many young kids here, good, so they won't, won't upset them. You know, Adam in the garden, the two richest people on the world, in the world that had the greatest dominion on the world, who do you think they were in the Bible? Adam and who else? 
Abraham, anyone else? Don't you like rabs? No. <laughs> Good answer, but no. <laughs> I'm joking. There was Abraham, sorry, no, Noah. Adam and Noah, they had the resources of the whole world in front of them. Adam was told, this is the garden. Tend to it, keep it, subdue it, watch over it, guard it, be careful, someone's coming. Is it true? And Adam was supposed to look after it. Adam did not have to sow or reap. Adam did not have to believe for anything. Everything was there. The only thing by faith, he didn't even need faith. Why? He walked with God in the cool of the day. And we spoke about this a while back. The only thing by faith he had to believe for was don't touch from that tree because if you do, you will surely die. Everything else was his. Look at this. Adam was told to look after the garden, tend to it, have dominion over it, have dominion over the birds of the air, the animals of the field and under the, he was his dominion. Devil wants to dominate, but God wants you to have dominion. Domination is not dominion. Domination is of the enemy, but dominion is of God. Jesus had dominion over the sea, cast the sea to calm down. He healed the sick. He multiplied. He had dominion over everything. But Jesus was never dominating. He never dominated anyone. One is from the enemy, one is from God. He said, Adam, you have dominion over the, over the fields. Look after it. Tend to it. Keep it. But then all of a sudden, enemy sneaks in. I often say this. This is not. This is what I say. The problem was, it's not what Adam did in the garden that caused sin to enter. It's what Adam didn't do. What was, the, what was he doing in there? And why were you talking to him? And how did he get in? But if Adam did his job, he'd be standing at the front saying, out you go. You don't talk to him anymore. Out. Instead of watching. If you read it in its context, was, were they lacking anything in the garden? They had everything. And yet, the devil lies to him and says, you won't die. You'd be like God, knowing good from evil. And the Bible says that she saw the tree that it was good for food, like she was hungry. Yeah, you can justify your sin. It was good for food. Like, he had the whole garden. But you want that tree now? You had all the food in the world. That's good for food. It's good for my nutrition, you know. I do my squats. And it's good, it helps my burn your digestion, you know. I get reflux. <laughs> she said, sorry. It's good for food and to make me wise. You're already like God. You're made in his image and likeness. Stop laughing. And the sad thing is she ate. And this of him, I mean, Adam, standing there like a sun mullet, he eats. And that's when their eyes were open. And yet the sad thing is, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, they did not enter his rest because of their unbelief. In Hebrews, it doesn't say they didn't enter the promised land. It says enter his rest. In other words, Adam was told to look after the garden. Man was made on the sixth day, was he not? The Bible says God created all things and it was good. Then he created man and it was very good. And on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. So man's first day on earth was a day of rest. And all he had to do was look after it. Now man's trying to get back in the promised land, but now he has to fight for it. 
because there's giants in the land. And God says, I've given you a land flowing of milk and honey, and I'm giving you a land that's beautiful. There's rivers flowing, and you're going to be prosperous in this land. And they all died in the wilderness. And it's interesting. I wrote this down. I've got three points. Unbelief will never possess anything from God. Unbelief, you will never receive anything from God because of your unbelief. Let me qualify that. I, always, I said this, unbelief always leads to disobedience or sorrow. Either I'm disobedient and I fall away and I never get the blessings that God's promised me, or I never accept God's blessings. Just like I said, you know, something bad's going to happen. You know, if something good happens in your life, instead of praising God and fighting for what God's given you, you say something bad's going to happen. Self-imposed curses. Unbelief always leads to disobedience or sorrow. Why didn't those people from Israel that came out of Egypt go, didn't get into the land? Why didn't Moses even enter? That's a story for another day. In Hebrews 11, 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We love the scripture and it says, it's impossible to please God without faith, and he's a rewarder, but do we diligently seek him? See, we can hear the gospel, get saved, receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, and never, ever diligently seek Him. You won't get rewarded. Have you ever asked yourself a question why Christians not blessed? See, when it's, not, when it's about you, you can't be blessed. Because when it's about you, you don't know how much of the blessing comes because it's all about you. Nothing's ever enough. You can never satisfy the flesh. It's impossible to please God without faith. Now, faith here, he's not talking about I believed for a car and I got one. Or I believed for a job and he gave me. That's awesome. That's faith. But that's not the faith he's talking about here. It's impossible to please God without faith in Jesus Christ. Without him, you cannot please God. And now when I diligently seek him, I search him out. I am not just happy just to receive Christ. I'm over the moon because I received Christ. But now I diligently seek him. When I spend time in prayer, when I spend time in fasting, Reb shared on Wednesday about David. David was a man after God's heart. David loved God. And David thought God so comfortable, he stopped praying and then the enemy knocked on his door and crept in. See, it's often said, in a time of peace, you have to prepare for war. Come on, somebody. When Joseph said to Pharaoh, about his dream, he says, you're going to have seven years of prosperity. Some of us would say, praise God. He says, but make sure you put away some for the future because you're going to have seven years of famine. It's not an old thing. It's, it's, it's very, we know that we all should save for a rainy day. We hear that saying. Because when we're comfortable, we forget who God is. He says here, it's impossible with God. Deuteronomy 7.9. I read this today and I had to throw it in. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Look what he says here. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and mercy for the up to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. That's the same as the scripture before. He's a good God, he's a faithful God, and he's a merciful God. What does Jesus, Jesus says, I did not come to judge, but I come to save. I came to bring mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And he says here that if you keep my commandments, or if you keep my, because I made a covenant which I can't break. See, he's faithful 
in bringing forth what he says. The question is, God will always remain faithful. He will bring to pass what he wants. But you could not, I could miss out because of our unbelief. Sometimes God is doing a new thing and we miss it because we're worried about the old thing. Is someone hearing me tonight? We want the old ways of doing things, which is not wrong. But hey, God's moving forward and we're still hanging back. We can't receive nothing from God. Searching out the heart of God is the most important thing, not the blessing. Who wants to be blessed here? Everyone's hand should be up. God didn't come to bring curse. He came to bring. But our blessings and what we think it is and what God says is two different things. Now, God wants to enter him into the promised land. It's interesting what happens here. Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. I'm going to share something quickly and I'll, I'll get in. And to whom did he swear? I read this last week, but I thought it's appropriate. To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? He's not talking about land. He's talking about rest, okay? But to those who did not obey. 19. So we see that they could not enter because of their unbelief. They saw the miracles. They could not enter because of their unbelief. You know, it's interesting. They were about to go into the promised land. Remember, everyone that was from the old generation died. Everyone under the age of 20 and their children made it through. I'll go back and hit listen to last week's sermon. And now they're about to cross the Jordan. The Jordan speaks of change. The Jordan speaks of baptism from the old to the new. Jordan goes from the wilderness into the promised land. We, when we got saved and baptized into his blood, into the waters, what happened? We went from the old man into the new man. We went from the old covenant into the new covenant. We went from darkness into light. We enter into his rest because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. There's no salvation outside the blood of Jesus. Get it through our heads that he's the only one that can save us. He's the one that shed his blood on the cross. There's no one in between us and them except the blood of Jesus. If we put and appropriate the blood by faith, we are saved. So the Jordan speaks of change. That's why Jesus was baptized in the Jordan because that's where the change happened. That's where they went from slaves into the wilderness, into the promised land at the Jordan River. Now here, they're going to go into battle now. The Jordan is hard to cross. What do we do, Lord? Cross. God dries up the land. But before they crossed, it was interesting. I read this, and we're not going to read it because... But that generation in the wilderness that was born in the wilderness, none of the men were circumcised. Only the men that were in Egypt. There's a covenant God made through Moses that said all men, all babies born, have to be circumcised on the eighth day. It's interesting on the eighth day. On a side note, every kid, no matter what day of the week he's born, has to go through a Sabbath day. No matter what day, if it's on the eighth day, it always goes through at least one Sabbath or one day of rest. Then they get circumcised and the circumcision was to be set apart because you're not like the other nations. You don't follow the other nations' gods, you follow me. And circumcision means to be cut off, blood is shed, to make a covenant and you be set apart. But here, they're about to go to war. And they have to be circumcised. And they're older men. They're ready to go to a fight. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the last thing you want to do to a bunch of people who have never had a fight before and get them ready for a battle. He says, go on there. Why? I said, Lord, why? 
And the Lord said to me, because the flesh cannot inherit the kingdom. Flesh has to be cut off. He was cutting off their flesh. It's symbolic that they can't take this and they're not going to fight the giants in their strength. They're going to fight the giant in my strength. And when they got circumcised, guess what he said? The Bible says that the Jordan River dried up and they crossed and their enemies heard this. The very people that the other 12 spies said, we can't take this land. They're giants. We're going to kill us. They're going to take our kids. The very same people, they reckon their Bible, their Bible says that their spirit left their body. In other words, they were so scared there was no more life in them. Why? They said their God is on their side. God won them the victory before they even crossed the Jordan. Why? When you are weak, he is. Come on. Flesh has to be cut off. In other words, your flesh can never inherit the kingdom. I love that analogy. You know, they possess the land. It's interesting here. Point number two. Don't think the blessing is because of you. Don't think what you do for God, God owes you. Are we told to give? Are we told to pray? Are we told not to forsake the gathering of the brethren? Are we told to serve? Are we told to submit to one another? Are we told to forgive? Are we told not to have a... There's a million instructions. And none of them, God has to pay you for it. Someone said to me, oh, I don't, I don't murder. I don't steal. I don't commit adultery. And that's what you're meant to do. You don't get a reward for what doing this, right? Don't think the blessings are because of you. If you're reading um, that one, the last one I gave you, Deuteronomy. Well, this came last second as I was sitting here. I want to show you something. It's not because of your righteousness. Now, God is speaking to Joshua, to the Israelites, yeah? They're about to cross. Look what he says. It's not because of your righteousness or any uprighteousness of you, your heart, that you go into the possess the land, but because of the wickedness of the nations that the Lord your God drives them out from there before you, that he may fulfill the word which he, the Lord swore to who? To your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Don't think you've done something, because the next verse, if you read it, says you're a bunch of stiff-necked people. So all the stiff-necks died in the wilderness, I thought. But hang on, the next generation was four brats, and they were still proud. He says, you're not getting the land because you're righteous and you're such a holy people. It's because they're so evil. And I made a covenant to who? Who did he make a covenant to? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. What is Abraham known for? The father of? faith. He promised Abraham from your seed, not your seeds, from your seed, the nation will be blessed. He wasn't talking about the genealogy of every Israelite. He was talking about one. Who was his seed? Jesus. That the nations and all the nations will be blessed. So he was called the, uh, the apostle of faith. The promise to God was to Abraham. The Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. And it was accounted to him as righteous. So because of his righteousness, because he believed the gospel in advance, God made a covenant with him. And then he made a covenant with Isaac, his father, son, Holy Spirit, Trinity, to make a fun of it. He's a father of the generations. He made a covenant and he says, I'm going to fulfill that covenant, not because of your righteousness, 
but because they believed and I'm going to fulfill it. Amen. And because of the wicked people, you know, there's wicked people out there running nations, running organizations. They're not going to be standing for much longer. Hallelujah. Because it won't be because if God judges us, we'd be judged. The Bible says judgment starts in the house of God first. So we can't judge anyone because first judgment comes to the house of God. But the wicked will lay down. That's why the Bible says that the, the wealth of the wicked to be laid for the just. But let me give you an example. There was a place in, I'm going to get the story wrong. I don't like facts. So just believe it to be true, all right? I think it was the KGB or Hitler, one of them. I think it was the KGB. And Stalin brought in communism. And they built this building, and out of that building was, it was a central teaching about communism, communism and how to control the people and all this. And the guy stands up and he says, we're going to obliterate religion and Christianity off the earth. Where he stood in this place was a big, you could say it's like a big university. We are the ones in this generation that are going to wipe out the Bible, Christianity, and God off this earth. That place today is a Bible college. <laughs> Hallelujah. That place today, they preach the gospel. The wealth of the wicked to be laid for the just. Sometimes there's some fights that you don't even know that's going on, but we just get the benefit. He says it's not because of your righteousness. How do you save people? Because of your righteousness, my righteousness? No, no, no. Jesus made a covenant with the Father. He came down to earth and he made a covenant. He says he up to a thousand generations, but Jesus' covenant is everlasting to everlasting. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. But we get to possess the promises of God. The Bible says the promises are yes and amen. But what are you diligently seeking the Lord? Are you? Are you in obedience? Are you listening to a God? You know, people say, I can't hear from God. Problem number one, I can't hear from God. Sit and pray. Come here from God, sit and pray. I've got a dream to build a youth center, sit and pray. I've got a dream to take it, sit and pray. I don't hear from God, sit and pray. And then that's dilemma number one. And then the other second problem is when you hear God, you ask me to do this, I can't do that. I don't believe God said that to me. God is interested in your heart. That's why he says, don't harden your heart and say, look what we've done. The blessings are not for you. I often say this. God does not bless formula. He blesses relationship. I can't come to God with my $2.50, so I'll be putting money in the bucket every Sunday. You owe me. You get better odds at the tab. You get better odds at sports bet, trust me. Who can come to God with their $2.50 or their $100,000 or their $1 million and say, God, you owe me? God owes you nothing. God didn't withhold his best. He gave us his best. His name was Jesus. I don't give because I want. I've been blessed. I give. Freely that I received, freely that I give. If you have the blesser, you have everything. But if you just want the blessings, you don't know him. Can someone say amen? Or say ouch. Number three, when you possess your blessings, don't let the blessings possess you. When you receive what God has for you, don't allow that to own you. You master over that. Don't let it master over you. I said this before. Heard this years ago. Money is a great, uh, great servant, but a terrible master. If you can conquer money, you can do a lot for the kingdom. You're dead to it. If you're not dead to it, you're going to become like a slave making bricks for Pharaoh. It'll own you. Sometimes the blessings, if you're not dead to it, 
it will own you. I'm not talking about health. I'm not talking about provision. That's all by grace. It's about stewardship. It's about, I know this guy once, he's praying to God and God, I want to hear your voice. And he loved this, he loved this ute. It was a pickup ute. He's a guy in America, a friend of mine that I know. And he prayed, he wanted to hear from, hear from God. So he started to hear from God, started spending hours in prayer. He was a truck driver. He used to pray eight hours on his trip. One way, eight hours back, just praying in tongues. And he started to hear from God. He goes, and that was the second problem. I started to hear from God. And it was like, don't want you to do this anymore. Don't want you to say this anymore. I want you to close your Bible studies down. I want you to go, whoa, 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 God. Devil, get out of my cabin. And it wasn't the devil, it was God. He says, now, you want to hear from me? You want to be blessed? Yeah. You know what true prosperity is? He goes, yeah. He goes, give you a youth to this guy. He says, I hate that guy. <laughs> God says, give him the youth and wash it before you give it. I don't like that guy. He talks about me. But to his credit, he said, he said this, I had delayed obedience, but it's better than no obedience. <laughs> I washed it and I gave him because what do you want? They don't like each other. Because God told me to give you this. They're both Christians. They both hate each other. Because I'm going to give you the keys. To what? To the you. Before, I don't want you. you. He said, I don't want to give it to you. But God told me to give it to you. Because God said, what? He goes, he took the keys, didn't say thank you, and he drove off. He thought. Now he's thinking, I'm going to get a brand new F450, you know, Rams, Mercedes. I don't know. He thought this. God said, I got you a U, and it was worse than the one he had. <laughs> he's praying, as Lord, what happened? I did what you said. He goes, yeah, but I still don't have greed out of your heart yet. You still think I owe you. He repented, and he said, whatever you want, Lord. You know, it's interesting that prosperity isn't about how much you have. It's about how much is willing to go through you. Uh, someone asked me this question. He's a rich businessman. I used to talk to him a lot about this. He goes, what what's your opinion on prosperity? And you've heard them all. Anyone who's been in the church long enough has heard every theory about prosperity. True. There's, there's truth in all of them. And there's deception in every one of them too. I said, true prosperity is that I can believe God for my provision and he gives it to me. And the minute I get it, I'm allowed to get rid of it straight away if he tells me to. Am I willing to get something from God and then release it straight away? I can say, praise God, I believe for a million dollars and the next thing you know, there's a million dollars in my account. Hallelujah, he answered my prayers. And the Lord says, now go give it to Rabs. Could I do it? Maybe let's make it worse. They give it to someone I don't even know. If it's willing to come to me, it has to be willing to go through me. Come on, somebody. We're a conduit for him. If I get blessed, if you start walking in some of your promises, gifts of the spirit, word of knowledge, laying hands on people, and it will come. And you start thinking it's your gift and it's mine and doesn't flow through you, you will destroy you. It's not about you, it's about him. We, have, we are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High with a servant's heart. We come to serve, not to be served. The fivefold ministry was to serve, the, edify the body. But for a long time, the body's been edifying the fivefold. doesn't work like that. We're here to serve you. You're here to serve one another. You're here to serve the world. God doesn't bless you because he wanted the nations to be blessed through you. That make sense? Don't let, the possess, don't let the blessings possess you. You make sure you take dominion over it. The dangerous place is when you get comfortable, you know without a shadow of a doubt, the devil's knocking on your door. The minute you get comfortable, the Bible says, stay sober and diligent. Being sober means to be in your right mind and diligent means to be away. 
What did Jesus say? Watch and pray. Watch what the enemy's doing. If you're watching, you'll know that enemy's trying to sneak in. I was watching a movie this week and I saw the enemy in that movie. Subtle, but it's there. The little, the little subliminal messages in that movie. Watch and pray. When you're, at, you're comfortable, when you, God is blessing you, when God is moving in your life, don't get, don't get too comfortable. You're better off being uncomfortably comfortable because you have to watch and pray. Because if you don't, deception comes in. The enemy's just waiting to come in. God warns the children of Israel to stay away from false gods. You know, in Joshua, this is the warning. He goes, when you go into the land and there's milk and honey and your barns are full, your storehouse is full, and you got figs and you got jam, you got butter, you got everything. Everything's there. Even he says, you can mine the copper and the gold and the silver. You're going to have all the blessings of the land. He says, look what he says. He says, be careful you don't take on the foreign gods. In other words, when the blessings come your way, don't now start we're comfortable and start to slide away from your provider. And guess what happens? We start taking on foreign gods. What is a foreign god in our world? None of us is going to go and worship a statue that's upside down. But what we start doing, we start worshiping the God of this world. I need to be the top of the ladder in my work. I need to have the fanciest car now. I need to be, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. You do nothing for the kingdom. You can't get one dollar out of you to help a poor person or nothing. What happens? It's about the God of this world. And you wonder why your heart's broken. Because the God of this world just chews you up and spits you out. Now, I'm not saying you can't achieve things. I'm not saying you shouldn't study. I'm not saying you shouldn't be the best at what you do. But where is your identity? Is it in what you have or is it in Christ? I'm a businessman. I've got a job. I work. But that job does not own me. It can very slowly consume you. But it's God first, family, then ministry, then job. God first. Why? He's my provider. He says to him, don't forget what I did in the desert. Don't forget every morning you had manna. I provided all your needs. Your clothes didn't even wear out. Don't forget the lesson in the manna and then harden your heart and look and say, look what we've done. Look what Joshua says to him before he crosses. 24.15. Is this making sense? And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve. Stop. He goes, if it seems for you that serving Yahweh, our God, is evil, because he put a lot of conditions on them, a lot of warnings on them. He even wiped out their parents. Now, I don't believe he wiped them out. He said, I give you over to what you have said. Is that what you think? Is that where your faith is? I'll give you over to what you said. Go back to the wilderness, and they all perished in the wilderness. Look what he says. Whether the gods of the, which your father have served, that we were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have to make a decision today. When I got born again 20 years ago, September, I made a decision. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve God. If I lost my mother or lost my brother or lost my family or it wouldn't have mattered to me. I love them. I'm not here to lose them, but no one's going to replace Jesus Christ in my house. 
Even when my kids weren't following me or even if your kids don't follow you straight away, guess what? I have a promise that you and your household will be saved. I don't care what they throw at me. I'm going to stand firm in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And nothing's going to change. And don't trust me, we paid a price. We paid a big price. But the price that I paid was so small compared to the blessings I have today. If I was to die, I'm going to stand before Almighty God and say, thank you for what you've done for me. There's no plan B. It's Jesus and him crucified. There's no... You know, the saddest thing is that we say, I can't do this because then I'll lose friends or I can't be, I don't want to be a radical Christian because, you know, my friends don't like it or I won't get invited to any more parties and save your money, but I don't get any more parties. I won't get invited to any more weddings. Hallelujah. (laughs) And we think we're going to lose something like, and in the beginning, I understand it hurts. Especially if you've got young kids and you're starting your life and persecution comes. But I know God is gracious. What did we say in the beginning? God is absolutely good. When I first got saved, we got saved, there's four or five families got saved at the same time. Guess what we did? God used it to protect one another and pray for one another and fellowship with one another until we get over the hurdle. The same people that came after us then are the same people serving with us now. Why? If you stand firm and you only make it, you have to make that decision today. Me and my house will serve God. Today, come my way. Come, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve him. Because he's good. He's absolutely good. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. This is another warning he gave him. Deuteronomy 8, 18. He says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for he is who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to the fathers as it is this day. He gives you the ability to create wealth. You know, God will give you an idea. God will give you a, a plan. God will give you a, a, an anointing to do something for him. See, see, I remember a guy, once he came to church and he was broke. And God blessed him. He got saved. Then he got a job. Then he got promoted. And then he got a job. A job off. Because this is God. I said, all right, well, let's, let's pray about this job, you know, because you're getting promoted real quickly. Guess what? He goes, oh, but I can't come to Bible studies anymore. Okay, well, you got Sunday and you got Friday. No, no, I can't do that because I've got to be this meeting. That Before you know it, no more church, no more fellowship, a lot of money, and the blessing turned into a curse. Am I saying don't take a job offer? Don't take promotion? No, but pray on it because sometimes the blessing is not God. He's out of church, out of fellowship, a lot of money and nearly destroyed. I could write a book on how many people are like that. I could write a book on how the blessings from God took them away from God. How can God give you something to take you away from him? He gives it to you to be blessed, not to be taken out. See, the enemy is quick. He says, but don't forget The blessings. Here, if you read it in context, I'm your provider. Don't be scared. I'm going to provide your needs according to what? His riches and his glory. True? 
He might think, well, Tony, how am I going to possess the land the last two years? We've lost our jobs. Listen, God is your provider no matter what. He'll provide for you. There's so many pr- people that I know, they lost their job. They thought, that's it. I've studied all my life to lose my job. And now they've got a business now making double the money they were getting before and they've got more time to pray. See, it's about us being the steward of what God's given us. Come on, somebody. It's being a steward of what God's given us. See, I'm not blessed. Everything I have is by grace. The air I breathe is by? What did you sow to get air? Nothing. All my provision is by grace. But my blessings is based on my stewardship. How am I going to steward what God's given me? And that comes by diligently seeking God. Why? Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord says, I want to give you this, Tony, but until this area of your life dies. See, you might think you've got nothing in your life that needs to be die, that needs to die. So you might have five dollars in your account, and you can't say, "Well, I'm not greedy." But what if you had a million dollars in your account? I love this guy who used to come and preach at our church. He was a builder; he wasn't even a preacher. He went broke three times, and he said, "I've, I've declared to give a million dollars to the kingdom of God." And he come and used to preach. He was about seven foot tall. This guy, he was a builder, and he used to build like hospitals and schools, nothing, it's more big stuff in Queensland. And he used to preach in an environment like this. He used to encourage people, you know, put God first. Get up in the morning. Do you pray? He, was a, he used to sack people for not praying. <laughs> he didn't employ people from the church. We're supposed to pray at six, you didn't come. Oh, he used to sack them. There was no mucking around with this guy. And one day these kids come up and you get excited when you hear someone like that. And, and he's been broke three times now. He goes, I love this. He goes, I love this. They all come running to me after they says, you know, Pastor David, he wasn't a pastor, he's not a pastor, his name's David, but he goes, he, you know, he said this, I remember standing next to him one day, because I was driving to the airport, he says, I love this, they all come up to me and say, you know what, if I get a million dollars tomorrow, I'll never change. He goes, you've never had a million dollars. They all say to me, I'll never change if I get a million dollars. He goes, you obviously never had a million dollars. Because you think you're dead to it, until he gives it to you. God's a merciful God, he doesn't want to send you to hell for a blessing. But in the process of diligently seeking, why do we say fast? Why do we say pray? Why do we say give? Why do we, why do we spend time with him? Why? Because in the quiet time, God's the one that touches that part of your life that you don't want to touch. He'll touch that part of your life that you can't get rid of. He'll touch that part of your life to set you free. On the surface, it's good. We can all pretend here. I'm the greatest guy in the world here. Look at me. No one said amen. My wife said Amen. When she gave me tissue, she said, shut up. In front of you, I'm the best guy. Look, I'm dressed nice. I've got this shirt. It's a, a nice, my son, what do you want shoes for? I don't know. I want to be a cowboy. I don't know. But in my quiet time, there's no facade. It's Tony and Almighty God. And he's a consuming fire. And I can't lie to him. I can't pretend in front of him. I can't hide the things that I don't tell anyone else about that are hidden in my heart. But that's the greatest place to be, on your knees before him and let him purge you of that rubbish so you can possess the promised land. You don't have to live in poverty. You don't have to live in wickedness. You don't have to live in, you know, you, know, you might have been to the family and people got sick and died and people sick and died and all you see is death or you got people in jail or you got people on drugs or you got people in poverty or you got, and you know what? It's the saddest place to be because all I do is I see what, I came out of, but God says, I want you to wipe that slate clean and see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see a whole new world. I can, I'm a testimony to that. If you asked me 20 years ago, you'd be preaching. 
you're on drugs. Have you seen my mouth? I only had jokes and they're all dirty. I was a gatherer of people. I get all people and corrupt them and send them home. I was the best guy. But when God redeems you, and I'll look back and see where I'm like, that was disaster. But the world loved the old Tony. They loved that bloke. But Jesus says, I'm doing a new thing. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I thank God he touched my life. I thank God I answered the call. I don't know where I'd be now. But I thank God, because there's some blessings that God has put in my heart that he's going to give me. But there's a little small voice that says, sometimes your son and your sons, children of your sons will get the inheritance, not you. And I'm happy with that. I'm just going to keep going forward. You're supposed to build an inheritance for your children's children. A lot of Christians have given up now. The Antichrist is coming. The mark of the beast is coming. Let's just give up. I said, hello. Everyone knows when the Antichrist. Everyone knows what time he's coming. They saw him at Macca's, at Punchbowl. We know nothing. But YouTube said it. <laughs> TikTok told me. And we haven't realized that the devil throws stuff out there that can get you off course. You know when the Antichrist, do you know Jesus? No, no, I need to know. I don't know people telling me about the Antichrist, not even believers. How can you say he's an Antichrist when you don't believe in Christ? How do you work that one out? Parrots. I just thought of three jokes then. Thank God I'm redeemed. All right, wife, I won't be doing it. You know what? Serve Jesus and Jesus alone. He's my promised land. What he gives me, doesn't give me, is irrelevant. But he does put promises on your heart to achieve. He does put a promise in your heart. To your promised land might not be a land, but it might be relationship restored. Children coming home. Sickness leaving your body. Whatever that giant is possessing your land. See, wherever you stand is holy ground. There's two things about Moses when he stood, he goes, take off his sandals, it's holy ground. But his feet are dirtier than the sandal. There's two things. One, take off your shoes. I want a flesh to my flesh. Bow down and worship me as your God. And the, you know, Roman soldiers used to take off their sandals when they went to battle. They took off their sandals because the sandals were, uh, they're not like Nikes made in, uh, they used to take off their sandals and they used to grip the, the ground was not nice and smooth like a football field. It was rough, but they could get balanced with no shoes on. And it's time to fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes you've got to take off your facade, take off your sandals and grip the oil and ready to fight for, with God. Every fight you have, Christ has risen and gone before you. I had a promised land, but there was giants in the land. I've given you the land and I'll give you the victory. Just obey me. Just believe. And they did. And I say to you today that our promised land is Jesus. Jesus walked, Jesus walked by faith on this earth because he was faith. The Bible says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. True? Jesus walked in obedience because he was obedience. Philippians 2.8 says this, 
and being found in the appearance as a man. Talking about the son of man, Jesus in the flesh of Adam. Or Adam-like, like you and me. Found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. To what? To the point of death, even death on the cross. Thank God for Jesus' obedience. Because by Jesus' obedience, we get into his rest. Hello? He is the Prince of Peace. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. I'm in Christ. I'm no longer in the old ways. I'm no longer the, mother, the son of so-and-so. In the natural, yes. I'm no longer the son of Adam. I am the son of God. Because I'm born with a price. I was bought with a price. You possess Jesus. Then you, If you possess Jesus, the possession that you will enter into is his rest, which passes all understanding. I want to encourage you today. What's holding you back to possess your promised land? What's holding you back? Everything you do not receive today is because of unbelief. You may not be in sin. You may not be evil, but you just don't believe. Any man, what did the disciples say to Jesus? What are the works that we must do to gain heaven or to do the works of heaven? He says, the work is believe in me. But then if I stop there and don't diligently seek him, I'm saved. Because he's knocking on my door straight away. Hairy legs. Don't look back. The Bible says if you put your hands at the plow and look back, you're not fit to be my disciple. God is doing a new thing in you. Obey his instructions. Fight the good fight of faith. Remember the manna ceased in the, in the garden. These kids that were entering, that grew up, went to the promised land, they were used to having manna every day. The other mob before them weren't used to having manna, so they got more for their want. But this mob were used to it. Down the manna ceased. Why? Man should not live on bread alone. That's where that comes from. Man should not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The manna in the wilderness was, a, was good. It was, it was there every day. But God wants you to move from being spoon-fed into feeding yourself. The church is a bunch of babies wanting to get spoon-fed. If Rabbis doesn't preach a good message or if Tony doesn't preach a good message, I'll go find someone else that preaches a good message. You want to be spoon-fed. You want someone to lay hands on you. You don't want you, but you want us to do all the fasting and the praying, but no, you just won't do nothing. But God's saying the manna stopped today. Why? The manna was awesome. It's angel food. But when you go into a promised land, now you become a steward. You become a son. You become an heir. It's time for you to walk what Jesus wants you to do. It's up to you to read your Bible. The Bible says you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not for me. It's not for Rabs. Parents, you are to train your child in the way he should go. When they get old, let go of them because you just need to pray for them. You let God be God. But it's time to grow up. As Christians, we need to grow up. I could spoon feed you all day. It's good. God's given us a message to teach you. But how much time do you spend feeding yourself? If you're 50 years old, I'm still feeding you. What's the problem with me? Time to grow up. The Bible says in Galatians, is the anointing is not for babes. It's for the mature. And it's time to mature. And maturity doesn't come with age. I know, there's some, I know people who saved 20 years, they're still babies. It doesn't come with um, the more knowledge you get. It comes with submission to the Father and the will of the Father through His Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Can we stand?
It's interesting that in Deuteronomy it says, man should not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In the manna was spoon fed. It was angel food. It was heavenly food. And God's saying, but that's great, but that's not for now. Now it's for you to be a steward and take care of the land. How much more now, Jesus? The Bible says the earth travails and groans like a pregnant woman awaiting the sons of God to be revealed. <laughs> we have God the Father who gave us God the Son who empowered us by God the Holy Spirit. Today is the day of your rest. Who can work when they're not rested? Who can go to work or raise a family when your mind's cluttered in the natural? Who can do that? There's nothing worse when you've got so much going on in your world and you've got no peace and you're trying to achieve something. And yet the Bible says that they could not enter because of their unbelief and have found no rest. Our rest is Jesus, people. Someone said to me the other day, I pray, I fast, and I do all these things. I don't get anywhere. I said to him, brother, if you go to the gym and you pick up the weights or you go for a run, do you see the, do you see the improvement straight away? Or is it a time? Sometimes when you go for a run, nothing happens other than you get a clear mind. You start seeing things differently. You get active. You know, it's like someone looking for work. And I say to him, if you, if you haven't got a job, do anything. Just do anything and start. Because when you start, you might bump into someone. You might bump into, oh, I'll get a job. Get a, you know, sitting at home and doing nothing is not going to work. See, if I fast and pray and I give and I do all the things that we, that we train you to do in, this, in, this, in, this, in this congregation. But if you don't know Jesus, that's like a, someone who goes to the gym and goes sprint training and goes swimming and then you throw him out into a state of origin football match. He doesn't know how to play football. But he did all the training. No, no, no. See, fasting doesn't move God. Fasting moves me to believe God. Prayer doesn't move God. Prayer moves me in the position to believe God. When I pray in the Spirit, it's not how I pray, it's how He prays through me. What is He doing? He's building us up on our most holy faith. Why? To give us rest. The first notion, you've got to know that the devil has been defeated. I should have got a bigger amen than that. The problem with your life today is not your next door neighbor, not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not your in-laws, not your boss. The Bible says we have a, 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 an enemy that principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. We don't fight against flesh and blood. So the devil can only get you on what you give him. He wants your flesh. That's why they had to get circumcised. Why? Cut off excess flesh so we can walk in the spirit. It's your decision today. Joshua made it so clear. Listen to me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made a stand. The Bible says God knocks on your heart and today is the day of your salvation. Those who hear, will they hear what the Spirit of God has to say? In other words, you have to make that decision. Joshua. His name means saviour. He walked into the promised land three days. 
Three days. Jesus said, in three days, I'll rebuild the temple. The sign I'll give you is the sign of Jonah. Three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. Today's the day of your salvation. But the greatest obstacle to your blessing, the greatest obstacle to your promised land is religion. It's disobedience. You know, religion can rob you of your blessing. Remember I said last week about, oh, this is my cross to bear. I walked into a, a, a workplace the other day and the guy was saying those very words to the guy I was meeting. Admittedly, he was speaking in Egyptian. I couldn't understand it properly, but I knew enough to know that he was wrong. I don't speak Egyptian. <laughs> and my mate was arguing with him about it. This is my cross to bear. No, no, no. And listen, a cross is where people die, not to carry. Jesus had his own cross. That was his cross. Our cross is to die. Why does the Bible say, crucify your flesh daily? Why does the Bible say, he who wants to keep his life must lose it. And those who lose their life will find it. See, the promised land is not a position. Sorry, it's not a place. It's not a new car. God bless you if you have one. It's not a new job. God bless you if you have one. It's, it's not even health. It's Jesus him crucified. It's Jesus manifested through you. It's Jesus that he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's Jesus that I walk in his obedience. He knows better than me. It's Jesus. And that mountaintop that you see, it could be sickness, could be poverty, could be Jesus died for every single one of them. So you can possess your blessing. It starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. He's the one that blesses. He's the one that gives. Hallelujah. It's his voice. They said they couldn't hear his voice. I want to finish off with this story. I should play it, but bad luck. I'm going to have to hear my voice. It's a true story. A pastor told this story. He was flying. I'm talking about hearing his voice. The boy says they stopped hearing his voice. And they went into unbelief and disobedience. They couldn't enter the promised land. When they obeyed his voice, get circumcised, they did. They didn't understand it. He gave them a warning and they entered. This pastor was telling a story that he was flying. And a guy wanted to be nice. He said, listen, I've got a charter jet. I can take you. He goes, oh, I don't like those jets. No, it's safe. Trust me. So he gets him and his mate, his solicitors. They were pastors, but he was a solicitor in a court case or something. And they're flying from one place to another. And to everything against it, no, I've already bought my ticket. Don't worry, I'll save you money. Just stop it. Don't worry. So they get into this plane and they're flying and everything takes off fine and they're flying through the sky. And all of a sudden, this guy turns to him and says, oh, I forgot to tell you that I pass out when I go through clouds. He goes, what? You should have told me that in the beginning. There's no point telling me now. What do you mean you pass out? He goes, oh, I've got this phobia. He saw a lot of clouds. Mind you, there was a forecast of storms and clouds. This guy goes, oh, my God, what have I done? Anyway, he's flying. Pilot passes out. He's not a pilot, and his mate's not a pilot. What did he do? Everything against his judgment. Did not want to get into this plane. But he got in, and now the guy, their pilot has passed out. They're trying to wake him. He said, I'm trying to wake him to kill him. <laughs> he's passed out. So they get the radio. They don't know radio etiquette. And they go, is anybody out there? And someone 
Ansys says, don't you know radio etiquette? Because, mate, we don't know nothing. We're on a plane. There's three of us, and the pilots passed out, and none of us are pilots. He said, hang in there. He realized they were in trouble. So he radioed the tower, and someone rings back. He says, listen, I know your dilemma. Be very clear what I tell you from now on. If you want to live, you have to obey everything I tell you. You have to submit to my voice everything I tell you to do from now on. Do not flinch. Don't worry about what's happening outside. You just obey my voice. Can you do that? The guy goes, I have no choice. He goes, trust me, if you obey my voice, I'll, this is the only chance you got to survive. And the guy, he started talking. He said to him, do this, grab that, push this, grab this. And he got to a place where they're just about at the runway. And the guy says, please, do not change a thing. Hear my voice and you'll be okay. Just hear my voice. I know you can't see me. I know you don't know me, but I'm here to tell you that I'll try and get you to safety. So he did. And it went on for half an hour or so. And then they finally got to a, the air and he learned the plane about 10 times. It kept bouncing, he said. And they finally landed the plane. He goes, I was never been so scared in my life. But I knew, I knew enough to know the only chance I had is to obey that guy's voice. And when he landed, they sat in there for a few minutes. He praised God for making it. And the guy on the other end is crying. And look what he says to him. He goes, I want to thank you for obeying my voice. You see, many have been like you and have been distracted and they stopped listening to my voice and they all died. But you obeyed my voice. I thank you for obeying my voice. And he made it home safely. I'm here to tell you today, sometimes God tells you stuff to do. Gives you instruction. Make sure you obey his voice. That man could have died. He could have went by the circumstances. He could have allowed his fear to get in the way. He could have allowed the storm. He could have allowed the clouds. I don't, can't do this. I don't, and he says, no, no, no. He knew enough to know. Whatever that man says, I'm going to do. Because he saw the obstacles in front of him. And he knew how to get him around them. Isn't that like God? My sheep hear my voice. They don't listen to a stranger's voice. They hear my voice. When we go off track, it's not because of God forgotten us. It's not because God's punishing us. It's because we stop hearing his voice. And then unbelief gets in. And then disobedience gets in. And our end is worse than the beginning. So today I challenge you. Are you willing to make a commitment to follow Jesus? To surrender your life to him. The first step is to say that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. There's nothing I can do to wipe away my sin. There's no amount of works I can do to wipe away my sin. I have to first come to him as a sinner and receive sonship because of the blood of Jesus. Today is the day of your salvation. He stands on the door and he knocks. Would you answer him? He'll never leave you nor forsake you. I can testify I'm 20 years this September serving him. And listen, when I've messed up, he's always remained faithful. But you know what? We're going to mess up. But he says, get back up, son. I've given you a spirit. Move forward. Possess your land. And the older I get, the less I want. I just want him. I just want him.
just want him. So, Father, I thank you tonight that you're the giver, you're the blesser of all things. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. That you're a God that's faithful, and you will always bring to pass what you have ordained to do. You've always made a covenant with us, and you never break your side of the covenant. Jesus lifted up the cup and said, this is my blood of an everlasting covenant that was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Everlasting. Everlasting, which is forever. He loves you. And sometimes it's not about me. You don't know who you're going to impact today. He first changes you, and out of it comes rivers of living water to touch others. But he is just interested in you. You're no good to anyone if you're busted and disgusted. You're no good to anyone if you don't know that you've been forgiven and redeemed. You're no good to anyone if you're not redeemed by the blood and, and listening to his voice and becoming one of his. You're no good if you become religious. There's plenty of religious people out there that don't know Jesus. He doesn't bless formula. He blesses relationship. The blood cries out a better covenant. So Father, I thank you we pass from death to life. I thank you we are known as sons and daughters with a servant's heart. So whatever giants are in my brothers and sisters' lives right now, whatever obstacles are in their life now, Father, you'd make a way when there was no way. Father, you would bring down those barriers, Father. You would teach your people how to pray. How to bring down these obstacles. I thank you, Lord, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So, Lord, I thank you for the blessings today. You are the blessing. The Spirit of the Father fall upon everyone right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. It's not what I have, it's who I have. I have Jesus. He's my promised land. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, Lord, I thank you for tonight. If you do not know Jesus, you want to give your life to Jesus. Jesus hung on a cross publicly, He took our shame publicly, He was whipped publicly. He was spat on publicly. He was speed publicly. He hung on a cross publicly. He hung on a cross naked and took our shame publicly. He died a death publicly. And yet it's only fitting we come out publicly and testify to who he is. So Father, I thank you tonight for the finished work of the cross. I thank you tonight we leave changed, never the same. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the teacher. You guide us into all truth. And I give you praise. I love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord.
Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We exalt your name above every name. It's only fitting and right to stand in your presence and say thank you for what you have done. We thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We worship you as King and as Lord. Just release whatever you've been holding on to. Just release it now. Release it now. There's a spirit of grace coming upon you right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For those who don't know God as Father, today is the day you reach out and touch your Father right now. Touch Him. Let the, let the anointing of God's love pour upon you right now. In Jesus' name. If you don't want to know God as healer, just touch out and reach the hem of His garment. Just touch Him right now. He's the great healer. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We worship you. Someone here, the Lord just showed me, someone here has just had a fight with their father. Disagreement and arguing, but it looks like there's been a bit of turmoil there. If you'd love to pray with you, I'm here to embarrass you, I'm here to pray.
God. Cast your cares upon the Lord. His burdens easy and his yoke is light. Hallelujah. Love you.